Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our special guest speaker, Lyndon Good. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Now I would like to invite my good friend and in many ways my mentor, Lyndon Good. How many of you know Pastor Lyndon Good? Uh, he is one of my heroes. As soon as I stepped back into full-time ministry, I immediately actively searched for very mature people in the ministry that I meet on the regular basis. I meet with them on the regular basis, and I talk to them, and I consult with them, and it's a great, great help. So Pastor Linden has been in ministry for how many years? Out of 40 are you on? Is, is, can you hear him? 40. Microphone is on? Yes. Yeah. 40 years of ministry. That's basically, I was 10 years old when he began to serve the Lord. I remember that time. With, with dark hair. Yes, with dark hair. I'm sure you had a dark hair. Yeah. Anyway, uh, guys, you're going to be blessed today. He has got a privilege to wrap it up, to finish this wonderful series before we would start a new one. So now I'm going to pray for him and let's open our hearts, open our minds and receive the word of the Lord that God is going to give us through Pastor Linden. Father, I thank you so much for my brother. Lord, thank you for all the work that he has done. And I pray for the later years of his life to be even more fruitful than the previous years. Give him the most fruit at, at, at this time that he has in front of him. Bless him, his family, his ministry, and bless us today through his words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good to be here. I keep telling Dennis he can't help himself. They ought to know better than to let him make announcements. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> now, this, but that way we get two sermons every, every week. Um, somebody sent my wife, whoops, wrong thing. I'm rather technically challenged. I am old school. I actually like hard copies. And they have a hard time figuring out why they call it a hard copy when to me it's the easy copy. <laughs> this, I think, is Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. I don't want people to know what I had for breakfast <laughs> or what time I got up. So m my wife is the, um, the information center for our home. And she does a good job of... Uh, of uh, just picking out the good stuff. Here, here's a story that someone sent her. I know I shouldn't have done this, but I'm 83 years, they would have fit right in with this congregation a couple years ago. I'm 83 years old, and I was in the McDonald's drive-thru this morning, and the young lady behind me leaned on her horn and started mouthing something because I was taking too long to place my order. Been there, done that. I've been the one that took too long. 
Um, so she also was making gestures, etc. So he says here, um, when I got to the first window in McDonald's, there's two or three, really. You order, you pay, you pick up. So when he got to the first window, he says, I paid for her order along with my own. What a Christian. <laughs> the cashier must have told her what I'd done because as we moved up, she leaned out her window and waved to me and mouthed, thank you. Obviously embarrassed that I had repaid her rudeness with kindness. When I got to the second window, I showed them both receipts and took her food too. <laughs> now she has to go to the back of the line and start all over. Don't blow your a horn at old people. They've been around a long time. Well, there we go. Maybe we should just have the benediction and go home. Amen. So I would encourage you this morning, don't blow your horn at me. I'm going to share this message. Perhaps it's a bit of a different approach, a little different perspective. And uh, I think it's, it's important. So I'm sharing what God has put on my heart. Just ask you not to blow your horn at me. Uh, can I have the first slide, please? That, uh, well, the, the, um, the title, Reigning in the Midst of Loss. Uh, and I'm, what I'm thinking of there is persistent loss. Uh, we, we pray, we believe for, we, we go through all the right motions, and still the situation doesn't change in my body or in my finances or wherever. So the question, we've been talking about how do you reign in grace? Um, so my question then becomes, how do you reign in the midst of loss? If I have the, the verse, kind of the theme verse from this message, Romans 5, 17, for if by the trespass of one man, Adam, I don't know why he always gets the blame. Eve was there too. Anyway, <laughs> the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? through the one man, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? We've been privileged to be coming here at uh, what was Northridge Christian Fellowship, then Vineyard, and now it's the bridge. Um, we've been privileged, I don't know, Neil, two years or so, I'm not sure. What, what a place to worship. We have never been in a place where we've seen so many miracles, so many uh, powerful demonstrations of the presence of the Spirit, not just in the life of the church, but in the life of, of individuals. So thank you, Neil, and staff for letting us be a part of that. I am aware, however, that in this world, not everybody experiences those kinds of miracles all the time. And so how do we reign in grace? We need to define the word reign so that when the Apostle Paul is crying out to God and says, I've got this thorn in my flesh, remove it. And he cries out three different times, and God doesn't remove it. What does he say? My grace 
is sufficient for you. It means that Paul is still able to reign in grace. He's able to reign in life because of the grace of God. So what does it mean to reign? What about people like Johnny Erickson Tata? Many of us know her ministry. She's a quadriplegic, uh, confined to a wheelchair, paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, has a worldwide ministry affecting many people, giving encouragement to others who are, uh, are disabled. Wonderful testimony. She exudes the peace and the presence of God. People, let me tell you, Johnny Erickson Tata reigns in life. What about the, don't know him personally, the Christian in Afghanistan refuses to recant his belief in Jesus Christ and proclaim that Muhammad is God's prophet, refuses to do that. So ISIS has them kneel and takes a sword and slashes their head off. Does that sound like reigning to you? We need to come up with a definition of reigning that includes everybody. I was trained in, uh, in college as an engineer, civil engineer, and so in all of the science classes I took, we were always taught that if there's a law, not theory, but if there is a law, it's good for everybody at all times in any place. And so as I thought through over the last several months, actually wrestling with what does it mean to reign in grace, I struggled trying to find a definition for reigning. And last night, I wrote it down. What is the common definition of reign? Because God does not have a two-tiered system. It's not great faith when you get healed and little faith when you get your head chopped off. Amen? Are you with me? It's not a two-tiered system. Reigning, you don't just reign when things turn out well. We long, and in this congregation, it's just amazing how many times things turn out well. But it's not just when things turn out well that we're reigning. We have the potential because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, his death, his resurrection, we have become his very righteousness. It's been attributed to us. Because of that, we can reign in life no matter what the situation. Amen? So if God heals you, you reign. If he doesn't heal you, you can still reign. How many people would rather be healed? Of course we would. <laughs> but we can reign. That's, the scripture promises that. How much more because of what Christ has done for us will we reign in life through this one man, Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah, the definition. <laughs> this is what it means to reign. Live in such a way that people and or circumstances do not control your peace or your purpose. If, hear me carefully, if I get so focused on demanding the miracle from God that I lose my sense of peace in that struggle, I'm not reigning. God wants us to reign right now. Reigning is not something that will happen in the future when all of the prayers get answered. And that's called heaven, by the way. We don't just reign when we get to heaven. That scripture from Romans 5.17 says we reign right now. So the question then is, 
how do we reign? What needs to happen? Now, don't toot your horn at me. I think the key to reign is faith. Maybe not faith that's been identified or described, defined by some Christian circles that seem to major in faith talk. I want to share a story with you from the life of David that will help us understand where faith comes from. And this faith, if we can latch on to it like David did, if, if we can latch on to this faith, we, you and I, can reign in life right now. We don't have to wait. We can reign right now. Amen? Amen. Anybody here besides me like to reign right now? Any besi- anybody besides me don't reign all the time? <laughs> Amen. When it rains on my parade, I seem not to reign. I just made that up. <laughs> but it is true. Second Samuel. Chapter 15 and 16, there's a story about David. David's been the king of Israel for quite a few years. He has a son named Absalom. Absalom is a scoundrel. Absalom wants his father's throne, so he connives. He tries, he he relates to people in such a way that he begins to make his dad look bad and make him look good. There came a point in Absalom's life that he had enough power to take over the kingdom from his father David. David got wind of what Absalom was going to do, and he had to run. Is that raining? Doesn't sound like raining, does it? Hang on to the end of the story, and you'll see how David reigned. So David flees Jerusalem. And as you read the story in 2 Samuel there, there's no, he has no guarantee. He doesn't, he's not saying, I claim in Jesus. Oh, Jesus wasn't around then. Well, he was, and, but not, not as a savior. He, he, he said, I claim in the name of Yahweh that I'm going to return to my throne. He didn't know. He didn't know. So he had lost his job. And if he lost his kingship, there was no pension. There was no retirement plan. David had no promise of the future And the scripture says, as that story unfolds, that he's walking along the road, leaving Jerusalem, going out towards the desert area, and he's barefoot, and he's weeping, and he has his head covered, raining, amen? (laughs) It's all a picture of shame, head covered, bare feet, Weeping, and the people are weeping and wailing. And there's a dude going along the, the, the edge of the ridge named Shemei or some name like that. And because he doesn't like David, he's taking stones and he throws them at David and curses at him. <laughs> Not exactly the highlight of David's life. We might call it a bad hair day, but that doesn't even begin to describe it. David is leaving in shame and disgrace. Ousted by his own son, Absalom. David gets out away from Jerusalem far enough that Absalom and his men cannot attack him. And I want to show you a verse from 2 Samuel 16. I think it's verse 14. David, the king, and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted. 
fleeing. It would exhaust me to walk barefoot about anywhere. But here, I don't know how many miles they went, but they arrived at their destination exhausted. And then this, this fascinating word, he refreshed himself. It doesn't mean he went to the potty. He refreshed himself. <laughs> what happened? Scholars tell us that Psalm 62 was written in that setting. And so I want us to look at a couple verses in Psalm 62. If we could have those first two verses, please. David, exhausted, ousted, shamed, afraid, penniless, no future guaranteed to him. He says, my soul finds rest in God alone. There's the reigning people. I don't want to reign like that. I really don't. But there's that because God is real. And because God was David's God, David had a relationship with him. David knew his God. He found rest in his soul, even though his world was crumbling apart at the very seams. Look at the next verse. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will never be shaken. What's he talking about? He's just been shaken from the throne. He's talking about something internal, isn't he? He alone is my... He is saying, my fortress is not my kingdom. That throne over in Jerusalem, that's not my fortress. That's not my refuge. I liked it, but it's not my refuge. I wonder, I'm retired got the gray hair, by the way. <laughs> Don't honk your horn. I wonder if my social security check is my fortress. It better not be. It's not all that big. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You save for the future. Do we depend on, I have relatively good health. I've had some surgeries here and there. I'm 71. Is my health my fortress? Do I have to be healthy with no aches and pains in order to trust my God? No. He alone, he alone, all this other stuff are just, they're added blessings from a really good God to his children. But I don't have to, when push comes to shove, I don't have to have that stuff in order to feel safe. That's what refuge, that's what fortress is speaking of. There's something deeper, there's something stronger than the outward stuff that we experience. He alone is my rock. Now the question that comes to my mind is how did he get there? He didn't pop out of his mama's womb in that place. How did he get there? That kind of faith, by the way, is, is tremendous faith. My hat, my honor goes to people like Johnny Erickson Tata. To me, they are the giants of faith in this world. Absolute giants who refuse to curse their God, who refuse to blame their God, who refuse to quit worshiping him. 
They are giants in faith, even though their bodies aren't functioning right. How did David get to that point? And the way he got there is the same way that you and I can get there. The, the answer to that is at the end of chapter 62. He makes these grand declarations. God alone is my fortress. He's my refuge. He's the rock of my salvation. And we find out in verse, I think it's 11 and 12. If we could have those, please. We find out in those two verses, the secret to David's great faith that helped him be in a position of reigning in grace even though the world was crumbling around him and it looked like it may never change. No guarantee. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard. That is language, biblical language that's talking about revelation. David knew, and I don't know if he learned it when he was out shepherding the sheep and his flock was attacked by a lion, a bear, and so forth, or when he cut the glass head off. I don't know when he learned this deep lesson. The scripture doesn't give us an exact point in time. Probably it's like the rest of us. Over a period of time, you just grow in faith and knowledge of your God. And so when the Bible says God has spoken and I've heard, it means... David at some point had a deep revelation. And it says one thing, two things. So he had two revelations. And I'm suggesting this morning that you and I need the same two revelations to sink deep into our spirits so that no matter what comes, we can withstand and we can reign in grace. So that the reigning is not dependent on outward circumstances and it's not dependent on people. It's dependent on our relationship with God and that alone. Amen. Nothing else. The other stuff is added blessings. What was it that David heard that I believe you and I can hear as well? That you or God are strong. <laughs> He's omnipotent. God, hear me carefully, God is in control. What was happening to David was not caught catching God by surprise. He wasn't up there scratching his head and saying, Holy Spirit and Son Jesus, who's going to come to the earth 2,000 thousand, thousand years later, what are we going to do? We put David on the throne, and now he's been deposed. What are we going to do? My God was in control. And David knew it. He says, my God, I've had a revelation that my God is strong. There's nobody stronger. There's no circumstance that's stronger than David's God. There's no person. There's no political system. There's no nation out there that's stronger than David's God. He says, my God, my God is strong. And I wonder, have you had that revelation? Oh, yeah, we're Christians. We mouth that all the time. Yeah, God is still. Well, you need it. Not just here, but you need it down. So that when, can I borrow one of Dennis's phrases? When the bull crap hits the fan? <laughs> when the bull crap hits the fan, you know that God is still strong. Amen. I'll confess in my weakness, 
in my humanity, in my immaturity, there have been times where I've said things to God like, what is your problem, man? It isn't that big a deal. My daughter is gasping for breath. We're on vacation. She's gasping for breath because she's allergic to something and she's having trouble breathing. What is the big deal? Can't you just heal her? I'm a father. I'm asking you in Jesus' name to heal my daughter. What is your issue? Give us a program, God. I'm here to tell you that the grace of God is bigger than our hissy fits because I was not fried on the spot. Amen? Anybody besides me ever throw a hissy fit? Oh, I'm in the right place. We're hissy fitters. <laughs> My God is strong. He cannot be manipulated. Hear me very carefully. He cannot be manipulated by me quoting scripture to him. He cannot be manipulated by me putting a lot of money in the building fund. And I'm not advocating you don't put it in. If you put it in for the wrong reason, the elders don't care. Just give it. <laughs> if you think you're manipulating, have at it. You're not really, but... <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you're welcome, Dennis. <clears throat> Where are we at? Second one, God's strong. Amen? What was the second revelation? That you are God is strong and that you, oh God, are loving. He cares. <laughs> My God cares. He really cares. And there's times we feel like he doesn't care because of what we're having to walk through. We see the great miracle over here. I, I can't imagine what goes through Johnny Erickson Tata's mind at times. She sees these powerful miracles and then she sits in her wheelchair paralyzed from the neck down and has to paint pictures with a paintbrush in her mouth. Does God care? And David had a deep revelation. And so when he's out in the wilderness, deposed by this coup from his son Absalom, he knows that God cares. He's not only strong, but he cares. People, it takes both revelations to make sense. Amen? It's the basis of worship, by the way, is knowing that God is good and that he's strong. Otherwise, we worship him out of fear or try to manipulate him. My grandpa on my dad's side, Clayton Good. He was a good man. He was a kind man. Loved to visit him. He'd sit there on his chair in the living room. He was a backer chewer. <laughs> Spittoon in the, in the corner. My grandma hated it. I said, Mama, when I grow up, I want to just I want to be just like him. I want to spit that backer juice too. I said, boy, go sit down. I may not bring you back to your grandpa's again ever. She didn't say that. And I doubt that I said it either. But anyway, it was interesting. He was kind. He loved me. He was a jolly person. I enjoyed being around my grandpa, Clayton Good. But he wasn't all powerful. He couldn't change circumstances. He couldn't protect me. He couldn't protect any of us from 
stuff in the world. There were germs floating around. My grandpa had no power to confront that or to stop it. He was, you know, are you with me? He was a good caring man, but he wasn't strong, and not in the sense of omnipotence, not, being, not strong in the sense of being able to change circumstances and, and make sure that his will is done in the end. My grandpa was gentle and kind and good, but he wasn't strong. So I wouldn't worship him. My grandpa was never my refuge. I loved him. I liked being around him, but I would never say like David did, my grandpa Clayton is my refuge and my strength. He's the rock of my... I can never say that about my grandpa, man. There was another man in history, perhaps a little well more known than my grandpa. Name was Adolf Hitler. The man was strong. He, had, he wielded power across Europe. The Russians know about his power. And you whooped him, didn't you? <laughs> but he wasn't kind. He wasn't caring. He killed, what, six million Jews, an untold number of gypsies, and basically if you weren't Aryan, he didn't like you. And so he was on a mission to wipe from this earth people who were not of his own race, and he thought intelligence. Are you with me? He was evil, but he was strong. Would you worship him? Would you look to Adolf Hitler for your right? How many of you would want to name your kid Adolf? <laughs> That's about like naming him Judas. You just don't do it. Amen? So it takes God, on the other hand, is both. He's strong and he cares. And when I get that revelation deep down in my spirit, hear me, it makes me un. Conquerable, and that's what it means to reign. To reign means you can't be conquered. You are the conqueror. Yes. However, that gets played out, a lot of this conquering, a lot of this reigning has to do with internal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you a story. Some of you may know, remember Daryl Bowman. Uh, he was part of this Springfield community, attended church here way back whenever. I had the privilege of being his pastor for a number of years. He, he, he got pulmonary fibrosis, um, which means that his lungs began to become more and more brittle, and it became more and more difficult for him to breathe. We anointed him with oil. We laid hands on him. We read scripture over him. We cast demons out. We invited the Holy Spirit in. And Daryl got worse and worse and worse. One morning at church, got word that he had been admitted to the hospital over at OSU. So as soon as church was over, my wife, Charlene, and I, we got in the vehicle. And we rushed over there to pray for Daryl. And on the way, it's like, man, I'm going to walk in there. And I'm going to proclaim, heal in the name of Jesus. I'm going to do it with, I'm going to do it with fervor. And the demons are all going to know I'm serious because they're going to hear the level of my voice. Be healed in Jesus' name. And I don't want to make fun of people who do that, though I just did make fun of them. They have good hearts, I, I do believe it. 
I walked in the hospital room and a strange thing happened to me. I was going to go in and do this the healing stuff. And as I walked in, oh God, I don't always hear God. I don't always hear him clearly. And so I'm never, I'm very seldom ever really certain. But I walked into that that hospital room and I knew that I'd heard God say something to my spirit. And this is what he said. My servant Daryl is going to teach my body, the church, how to die in grace. Now, he didn't say these words, but basic is like, Lyndon, you can quote all the scripture and you can be as loud as you want, but I'm not going to heal his physical body. For whatever purposes that I don't understand in the ways of God. Now, don't toot your horn because I'm an old man. That may not fit your theology, and I may have heard wrong. I'll be honest about that. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I heard right people. It was so clear. Daryl got worse and worse. A day or so before he passed away, my wife and I were in his home. They lived over close to northeastern Clark Lake area. Went into his house, and there were a lot of family gathered there. They were all on his side. Well, her side, too. They were all just good singers. I never was much of a singer. When I was around Daryl, I could sing bass. Daryl sang bass, and I joined right in there. In the sky, Lord, in the sky. Him and Johnny. Cash. Some of you guys don't even know who he is. If you have gray hair, you know who he is. We were in, in the house. The family was gathered around him. It was obvious Daryl was going to pass away. He was weak. And the family began to sing a powerful song. One of the most beloved hymns in Christendom, It Is Well With My Soul. Amen. When peace, like a river, if we could have the words, when peace, like a river, attendeth my way. That's, that's when things are going really well. When sorrows like sea billows roll, you know the meaning of that. Mr. Spafford, who wrote the song <clears throat> some years, just a couple years earlier, the Chicago, great Chicago fire had wiped out his fortune. His four-year-old son had died of scarlet fever. And then his four daughters were on an ocean liner to Europe, to England. And the ship sank. The wife was there too. She was saved. The four daughters drowned. How do you reign when you're Daryl Bowman gasping for breath? How do you reign when you're Mr. Spafford having suffered all of these losses? How do you reign? We can all reign. If they can reign, we can reign. And so he pens these words, when peace like a river, when sorrows like sea billows, does that make sense? The sea, there was a storm, the ship just sank. Four daughters killed. And the, the captain of the ship stopped at the coordinates. He says, this is where the ship went down, sir. And he, he, he paused the ship there. And while the ship was paused, he wrote this song. My God, what kind of faith is that? 
If he wasn't reigning, nobody reigns. Good lands. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot. And I'm not saying we're prisoners of our lot. I'm not, I'm not discouraging us from praying. I'm not discouraging us from asking God to change our lot. But God was not going to change that lot. The daughters were on the bottom of the sea. Whatever my lot, you taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. People, there is the place of reigning. Reigning in life, reigning in grace. And we have the privilege, this side of the cross, of having something that David didn't have. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, that when Jesus was on the cross, there was a great exchange happened. He became sin for us. He took my sin upon himself. When I lied to my parents, I was in the second grade. I got a whooping. I didn't deserve it, of course, because I was a nice little guy. I never... Went home and lied to my, one of my best friends went home with me that day. And she says, Mrs. Good, you know what happened to Lyndon today? He got whooped. He was talking too much. I said, Mom, he's lying. Larry's lying. That's my friend Shelly. When Jesus hung on the cross, he took that lie and paid the penalty for it. Amen. The Bible tells us in that verse, he who knew no sin, Jesus was perfect. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What a gift from God. People, there's no reason we shouldn't reign. I am the righteousness of God. I cannot be improved upon. No amount of Bible reading and prayer and tithing into the building fund is going to make me any close, any, any, any more accepted by God. I have a new heart. And I don't think, you know, Jesus hadn't come yet, so David didn't have that privilege. What a privilege to be in this place today, this side of the cross, with Jesus as my Savior, my sins forgiven, I've been in God's sight accounted with the very righteousness, his own righteousness. All of the good deeds he did, I get credited for it. And God is saying to us this morning, church, you can reign. The choice is ours. And it comes down to who, what do you trust? May I close with this? It's not so much what you're believing God for, it's what you're believing God with. I believe God with my circumstances. I believe God in my circumstances. That's more powerful than believing for because sometimes the for doesn't happen. And we can always believe that God is with, with us in the circumstance. Amen? So I want to leave you with these. I think I said that a little bit ago. I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm worse than Dennis. <clears throat> in conclusion... If you don't have a revelation deep in your spirit that God is all-powerful, even whatever you're faced with, and if you don't have the revelation that he deeply cares about you, whatever you're in right now, if you don't have that deep revelation, it doesn't make you a bad person. It means you're on a journey. And David heard. God spoke it, and David heard it. I think God can speak that into our spirits as well. 
Father, I ask in Jesus' name that all of us in this room, as well as those who are watching online, that we all would have a deep revelation, a revelation that cannot be shaken by circumstances, that you, God, are all-powerful, and that in that power, you care deeply about us and love us, and you will never let anything happen to us that doesn't pass through your filter, and that you will never, and you never have, and you never will make a mistake with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.